0: Good, good. Well, thanks for being here with us. If you're live streaming with us, thanks for hanging out with us uh, through the screen as well. My name is John Crawl. I'm going to be the teaching pastor here at Shepherd's Gate. And today we are continuing our series, Value Everyone. Uh, and man, it's been an incredible series. I hope that it's been great for you, that you've enjoyed it as well. If you've missed any weeks, make sure you go and check them uh, out on our website. It, it, just so you can kind of keep up to date with everything that we've talked about because I can tell you, as you look around in the world today, man, it is so easy to get disheartened. Is it? Right? It is so easy to, to kind of go, man, where's God in all this? I mean, you hear that a lot from people where they start to question, they go, man, you see all this negative, you see all this trauma and this, this tragedy that's happening around us. Where's God in all this? And what I would say is, Throughout this series, what this series has done for me, not only to open my eyes to where I can get more involved and I can truly value better, it's to see all the good that is happening in this world, right? Through the organizations we've been introduced to, through the people in our church that are already serving. Honestly, even through you guys and how you have responded to these messages, it has been a powerful testimony to the fact that God is moving and working and doing great things in this world. So often we can get caught up in just... The, the news cycle, right? We get caught up in that. But I would hope and pray that this series has not only spurred you on to do some things and to get involved and to truly value people, but it's also helped you to see, you know what, God is doing things. Even in the darkest of places, His light is shining and making a difference. And today is, is, is no different. Today we're diving into the topic of uh, orphans, or uh, as we would know today, is foster care and adoption. And we're going to take a look at something that I would say, I would dare to say, is something that's very close to the heart of God. And I can say that because, honestly, it's been something that the church has been involved with from the very beginning. I mean, back in the day, even in the Roman days, uh, the church were the ones that would go out to the trash heaps where babies were tossed who were unwanted or unneeded. They were left to die, and the church were the ones that would go and they would gather these babies up and they'd bring them home and they would raise them as their own. This has been something the church has been involved with for a very long time. And church, what's great to see is, you know, many of you have heard my journey and my story. Maybe you're sick of hearing about my journey and my story. Because uh, it tends to be most of the stories that I have to share with you. But what I would say is what's so cool about, as we've shared uh, that we're talking about this today, the emails and the, the stories and the phone calls that I've, I've received from our own people that have just said, you know, I have stories to share too have been incredibly impactful, even in my life. I received uh, uh, an email from uh, Mackenzie and Mitchell, um, and uh, they shared with me, you know, they don't come here uh, on a regular basis. They come here a lot because their parents come here. They're actually about to join here uh, a few years ago, uh, right before they got transferred, had to move to Lansing. And they shared with me their story about how they have gone through uh, so much. They got married uh, on her 22nd birthday. A year and a half later, they were told, you know what, the likelihood that you're going to ever get pregnant is pretty slim. And it's kind of a journey that my wife and I faced as well, right? And, and so reading their story is so much like mine, and then the betrayal, and the, just the hurt, and the pain that they went through. And they sobbed, and they prayed, and they prayed to God. God changed this, right? They would pray over her womb, and they would pray, God, make, make our dreams come true. Give us what we want. We just want a child to raise. And then over time she would, she started to hear about something called foster care and it started to kind of seep into her heart and she started bringing bring it up to Mitchell and started saying, you know what, maybe we need to talk about this. And so they started to pray. As she would drive him to work every single day, they would pray, God, if this is your will for our lives, God, just change our heart towards that. Change our heart away from, you know, trying to figure out this biological thing and instead push us more and more towards foster care. And that's exactly what he did. And over time, God convinced him over and over again that this was the path, this was the desire he had for their lives. And so they went through the journey of becoming foster parents, and nine days after they were certified as foster parents, they welcomed their baby girl into their home. And at first, you know, she says, it's a crazy journey. And, you know, at first she was uh, coming to their home to be, you know, their foster child, for them to care for, whether it was for a week or a month or a year, they didn't know. But through this journey, they said, it's just been incredible to see because It's not just been the courts that have said, you were meant to be her forever family, but her birth mom has actually come to them and said, I want you to be her forever family. And so they've gotten to experience this love and this joy and they said, you know, it's one of the toughest things you'll ever do, but it's way, way too rewarding to not take and have a part in it. Another story I got was from Kelly and Craig and Kelly and Craig shared with me their story and their journey of adopting their son Noah from Russia. Uh, and to adopt from Russia, it takes—it's uh, a two-part process. And so they—they uh, they went one month to to uh, meet Noah and to get to know him, and then a few months later, they would have to fly back and uh, in order to bring Noah home. In the middle of, of that waiting period, they got a call from Russia that said, "Oh, Noah's pretty sick. Uh, in fact, his both of his kidneys are full of stones." Uh, and so we just want to make sure that you still want him because uh, if, if you do, then uh, we'll go ahead and we'll, we'll do surgery on one of the kidneys, but you'll have to figure, you know, figure out the rest of it when you get home. She said, of course, of course we still want him. They said, well, that's, that's good. It was, it was good that we promised, you, uh, to him, uh, promised him to you already because if not, we would have just let him die. So they were able to fly Noah home and and they got him to the hospital because uh, he was still sick and still struggling and the hospital here didn't even know what Rush had ever done because both kidneys were still full of stones. So they had to bag both of his kidneys right away and start treating him. They met a doctor who um, did an experimental surgery and frankly both their families uh, met Noah for the first time in the hospital. But they didn't know what else to do so they went through this experimental surgery and they are just so grateful. Today Noah is a strong teenage boy who loves his family very much. got a note from uh, Kristen and Mark. Kristen and Mark wrote to me about adopting their daughter care from China, and it was a two-year journey. Two years that it took, but they said, man, it was so worth it. They said, we're so excited that we're doing a message uh, on this topic, because if it could just help one person, say, you know what? That That little tug in my heart, maybe I should listen to it. They said it would be so worth it. And they're just ready and excited to be there and to uh, be there to support anybody who would be interested in making that decision or even contemplating that. And that's what we're so excited about is that not only has this happened time and time again within our church, where people have gotten into the family business of adopting and caring for those who had nowhere else to go, but what I would push you to do is we have so much more in store for us, so much more we can do. See, because it is the family business. When you think about the fact that this has been something the church has been a part of since the very beginning, we shouldn't be surprised, right? Because when you think of God's business, God's in the business of redeeming and adopting. We think about what he did with us. He saw us out there alone without a father, without a family, right? We're trying to do it on our own, and sin is what separated us from, from him. And so what did he do? He did whatever it took. He didn't just think about us. He didn't just think, oh, that's such a sad story. No Instead, he acted And he sent his very own son, Jesus Christ, to die for you and for me. Why? In order to adopt us into his family. See, this is the family business. And so when we do these things, when we adopt, when we foster, when we show love to those who need it most, we're in the family business. That's why James, in our text today, writes about this. So James chapter 1 is our text. I'm not going to have you pull out your Bibles. Uh, Instead, I put it on the screens because I'm using a little different translation that just kind of breaks it down for us as we read it. But James gets right into it. And so let's read this. Uh, Put the word into action. If you think hearing is what matters most, you're going to find you have been deceived. God the Father is the giver of all good things and is looking for every opportunity to bless us. But many people have difficulty trusting and receiving good things, even when those things come from God. The problem is that we not only have trouble trusting God's work in our lives, but we also don't always respond to God's voice. People often hear the scriptures, but they don't really listen. People store truths in their brains, but never put them to use. For James, the only good religion is religion lived out every day. If some fail to do what God requires, it's as if they forget the word as soon as they hear it. One minute, they look in the mirror and the next, they forget who they are and what they look like. However, it is possible to open your eyes and take in the beautiful, perfect truth found in God's law of liberty and live by it. If you pursue that path and actually do what God has commanded, then you will avoid many distractions that lead to an amnesia of all true things, and you'll be blessed. If you put yourself on a pedestal thinking that you've become a role model in all things religious, but you can't control your own mouth, well then think again. Your mouth exposes your heart and your religion is useless. Listen, this real, true religion from God the Father's perspective is about caring for the widows and orphans who suffer needlessly and resisting the evil influence of the world. I want you to think about that. James could have written about anything that he wanted. He could have said anything he wanted as far as doing good in God's name because you can do good in God's name in lots of different avenues. We've talked about a a lot of them throughout this series. And yet what he narrows in on is to care for the orphans and the widows. It's interesting. I mean, at the beginning of it, he actually opens up with something even more in your face, though, right? He says, put the word into action. If you think hearing is what matters most, you've been deceived. And what he's saying is, look, if you think that it's all about just coming to church and listening to Pastor Tim and I talk, which we still don't know why you do, (laughs) <laughs> you think, you're crazy the fact that you come and listen to us it's incredible but if you think that's what it's all about or you think it's just about reading more of the Bible or you think it's about going to yet another Bible study and getting smarter and smarter and smarter and knowing more and knowing more and having more answers be able to quote things you've been deceived if you, that's what you think it's all about and don't get me wrong it's not that those things are bad it's not an either and or right it's a both and it's that you would do those and you would live them out Right? If you stop with one, you've been deceived. What's useless? That's not what God's trying to do. God's not just trying to make smarter people. God is trying to change a world. He is trying to redeem a world that's been lost. And how does he do that? He challenges us to be his hands and his feet. Right? You will know, they will know that you are mine by how you love each other, by how you love the people that are around you. Right? What does James do? He points us to real, true religion from God the Father's perspective is that you would care for orphans, and widows. Man, the fact that he narrows in even on a people group, not just that you would care for all people, you care for widows and orphans. Again, we shouldn't be surprised. Right? Because the father of all, if we really recognize God as the father of all, of course he would care about those of his children who are out there fatherless. I want you to take note, the the word that James uses is caring for, right? Caring, not just thinking about, not just hearing about. Because what I would challenge you with is so many times what we do is we will hear about needs that are out in our world. We will hear about things that need to be helped, and we'll just hear those stories and we'll feel bad, right? We'll feel bad, we'll feel, oh man, I just feel so bad for them. Their stories are so touching. I mean, I could share with you stories from my boys' lives that you would just be devastated by. What I want to challenge you with today and really for this whole series is that hearing just leads to pity, but acting, acting leads to value. See, when you act, it's not just that you're acting out of value. It's not just that you already have value for something and so you act. What I would challenge you with is this. If you truly want to value others, if you truly want to value the orphans and the widows, you want to truly value any of the areas that we have talked about in this series, then you will act. And let me promise you, your value will grow exponentially. I could tell you before we got into foster care uh, that, sure, of course, I value kids in foster care. <sighs> I mean, I could point to the fact that, you know, I filled out 10,000 forms, and I went through class after class after class of trying to learn how to be a foster. I could point to those things that surely, uh, surely I value these kids. Look at all I'm going through, look at all I'm doing. I mean, literally, you signed papers that said you signed other papers. Am I wrong? No, I'm not wrong, right? You do. I'm like, really? I just signed a paper that said I signed that paper. We are not being eco-friendly here. Let me tell you what. So I could point to that and say, surely I value them, but I can tell you it is not until those boys were in my home. And I had to clean up after them and I had to be with them and I had to be there for them. And experience what life is like truly sacrificing for them is not until those moments that I had value for them. So, what I would challenge you with is to act. To act not because you already have so much value for something, but act so that your value can grow. So, when we say that we're going to value everyone, that's how we're going to raise that up. We're going to act. And in acting, we will value. Because church, there are too many places, there are too many times, there are too many opportunities in this world where things are not going the way it should, where there are some dark places, or there are some struggling places, or there are some difficult situations that are out in our world that need the church to step in and to be the church, to do what God is calling us to do, to care for the orphans and the widows, to care for those that are in need. Another email that I got from one of our guests that's been with us for a while. He wrote, I want to I bring in another perspective. He said, when I was 18, my girlfriend and I got pregnant. I know what to do. We didn't know what to do. And her and her mom wanted to go and end the pregnancy. And so they went to go and get an abortion. And when they did, they found out they were too far along. He said, the sad thing is, is if it was today and not back in the day, if it was today, they would have ended it. Because of laws and the rules of change. He said, but thankfully, they couldn't end the pregnancy. And he was able to convince them, can we just consider another option? And so he reached out to his his pastor to his parents and he convinced them to make a plan of adoption to make a plan of adoption that would love their daughter and so they worked with lutheran social services in michigan to help place her into her forever family And what i want to challenge you with is to make a plan of adoption so often we hear the words "Well, oh, um, they gave up their daughter no no, no 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 that's not giving up on their daughter that's recognizing that we want to make a plan for her a plan that's even better than what we could provide. And there's lots to be celebrated in that. But what I love about their story even more is not only was their daughter given a plan, but that family that adopted her was now complete. And they got to experience what God wanted them to experience through that adoption. And then to top it off on that journey, uh, Lutheran Social Services who helped to create that situation, who helped to make that plan of adoption for that daughter of theirs, well, they're still around today. They're just known by a different name called Samaritas. And Samaritas is the group that's here with us today to help us to understand a little bit more about foster care and adoption and what we as a church and as individuals might do to get involved. So I want to welcome up uh, Kelly Lena, and Pastor Nick from Samaritas right now. Well, thanks for... I, I know I got the good chair now. Sorry. <laughs> they tried to give me one of those at the first service, and I touched it, and it almost fell down. And I said, "This big boy is not doing that." So uh, they got me the big boy chair. Uh, thanks for being here today, guys, and uh, hanging out with us. Really appreciate it. Uh, not only you guys are out there and you have all kinds of information, but just to speak with us a little bit more and help us uh, to understand more about this. So maybe you could start just kind of sharing with us: uh, Who is Samaritans? What is Samaritans? Sure, sure. Oh, is it not? No, we'll try. I don't know. There you go. The light
1: came up.
0: No. <laughs> well, details. Hmm? There you go. You got that. All right. Good
1: morning. Good, morning. Good morning. We're we're honored to be here. Thank you so much for allowing us to to come in and speak with you all a little bit about the impact of Samaritans. Um, as, as Pastor John mentioned, we were Lutheran Social Services of Michigan until a couple of years ago when we changed our name to Samaritas, um, incorporating the story of the Good Samaritan uh, Good Samaritan, and Toss, which we all know means together. We don't, <laughs> don't now, but it's a good, good opportunity to educate, right? So uh, doing the work of the Good Samaritan together is uh, what Samaritas is all about Uh, We've been serving Michigan families for the last 84 years in a variety of ways, from offering affordable housing to persons with disabilities and low-income families and our senior population, um, to offering a continuum of care within our seniors uh, from independent living all the way through skilled nursing facilities and memory care. Um, helping people escape persecution across, uh, across the world and finding a new life and a new home here in this country. Um, and, and certainly what we're here to talk about today is our, our continuum of care and our child welfare services, from family preservation to foster care to adoption and well beyond that. Um, but certainly those are just the numbers. Um, Now we're going to get a little bit more into the heart of the matter and how we work with communities like yours to really impact over 20,000 lives in Michigan every year.
0: Very cool. Um, So in scripture we read about orphans today, we would talk about foster uh, foster care and kids in foster care. Can you tell me maybe about uh, how do kids end up in foster care?
2: Um, Good morning and thank you for having us here today so that we can kind of share with you how you can get involved. Um, Children come into foster care a number of ways. Um, What we often see is marginalized families that are dealing with issues of poverty, which often leads to stressors and causes either abuse, neglect within the family. What we're seeing really now that kind of stratifies all economic barriers is there's a huge opioid crisis and it's really affecting the children and the families. And we're seeing a lot of children now coming into care just because of that's going on.
0: Maybe could you share some success stories of Samaritas uh, in this field and in this uh, this, uh, arena?
2: So um, a success story for me, I have worked as the executive director for Lutheran Adoption Service for almost, I think, six years. And so I really had taken on um, the value of older youth not lingering in the system and becoming adopted, because that's that was really where my heart is. And so I had this young man, and then he came into foster care probably about the age of 10 or 11. And he lingered in foster care for a while. Um, and at the age of about 15, almost 16, a wonderful woman by the name of Carol, who has a heart for older children, saw him on Mare, which is Michigan Adoption Resource Exchange, which is kind of where you can go to find all children that need homes in Michigan, and wanted to give this young man an opportunity. She took him into her home, worked with us. We worked through making sure that there was therapy involved, they were supported, and she adopted this young man. And so now, fast-forwarding today, he's 19. He's still living at home, as most 19-year-olds do. Um, he is working and he's going to school, he's going to college. And the great thing about this young man is he, it's generative. So he comes back and he talks to others that are thinking about becoming foster and adoptive parents. And really talks to them about the value of investing in young people that are still in the system.
0: So uh, I kind of challenged you guys uh, with uh, another question: Was you know, as a church, we're pretty good about you know wanting to know the real story, right? Right, and want to know maybe even not the successes. So is there maybe a, a story that you could share with us? Is kind of a gap story or a story that you wish would have turned out better? Yeah, so I can share with you a similar story, same
2: kind of thing, Uh, he had a young man that came into foster care at the age of 10. However, he came in with three other siblings. Um, When they came in, the siblings were split. The two and four year old went into one foster home and then he had a a younger infant brother that was under the age of one. He went into another foster home. And this particular young man went into a separate foster home. Now the backdrop of the story is that um, the family was dealing with drug abuse issues. And so oftentimes when mom or dad went around, he was the care provider for those other three siblings. So when we split them apart, because there are just not a lot of homes that will open up for four youth or four siblings, um, he presented it as a really a kind of angry youth and a hard to get to know youth, and it was because he was separated from his siblings. Well, he was bounced around um, throughout the years, and finally the parental rights were terminated on all of the children. Well, the two children were adopted by one foster parent, the other child was adopted by the other foster parent, and he was left in the system never to see or know what happened to his siblings again. So at that point, he had no siblings, his, no family, um, he'd lost everything. So shortly after that, he, um, instead of staying in the abuse-neglect system, he had some other issues and then he got into the juvenile delinquency system where he stayed in through the age of 18, which at one point he um, aged out of foster care and trying to keep up with him, he at some point he was, when he left, he was homeless because he had no caring or mentoring adult to help support him. Um, and then again, was put into the criminal justice system, kind of on and out with petty crime. And I say that story because the main difference between those, the gap between those, was a caring, loving adult that reached out, and that's the thing that made those two stories absolutely different.
0: As we uh, look at foster care, and, and you know, maybe there's some folks out there considering it right now, you should be, um, uh, what, what's an ideal foster parent? So ideal is a strong word. <laughs> uh,
2: I like the, the saying that there's, you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent, because that's absolutely true. Um, just, so just in a backdrop and when I say, there's 13,000 children in the foster care system, and about 2,000 of those kids, children every year become available for adoption. So what we need are families that are willing to come forward and open up their heart and their home. And I like what you're going through with value because um, these families are families that are in your community and oftentimes they don't feel valued, they don't have supports. And our first goal is to strengthen those families and we're trying to reunite reunite them. And so we just need people that come forth that are willing to support and value and realize that these families have value in your your community. and just opening up your hearts and your homes, and that's, that's really what we need.
0: So the, the difference between those two stories really was just someone who was willing, willing to step into that, that young man's situation and uh, could have changed not only his life but everything around him, right? Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I know talking with Pastor Nick uh, as we prepared for today, uh, you know, talking about the idea of who's an ideal foster parent, uh, trust me, you do not, it to be perfect. <laughs> I am far from that. And, um, Uh, You know, we've talked about different scenarios. You've talked about uh, maybe a young family, I think they're a young couple in their early 20s who decided to foster uh, simply because they realized they weren't ready for their permanent family yet. And they said, hey, we have a home, we have the ability, we're willing. And uh, they were foster parents before they even tried having their own kids. And then uh, I know my kids have gotten to be um, uh, watched by a couple that are in their 70s, and they still foster kids. Yeah. So, any of you out there going, I'm too old? Uh, No, you're not. Right? And then they watched my three boys. At the time uh, they were, what, one, three, and five or something like that? Yeah, they kept up with them for a week. They survived. So uh, the whole point of, you know, the idea, our word ideal, yeah, it's you. You're the ideal parent. So, so, so Pastor Nick, what are some things that maybe this church can do to, to help make a difference in this arena?
3: Yeah, I mean, this really gets into the scripture we had this morning, right? It's um, how to put the word into action. Um, not just hear it, but to put it into action. Uh, The first thing I would say is, all of what I'm gonna share, um, bathe it in prayer. Because prayer really is, uh, it's not only fuel for the ministry, um, it strengthens the people being served, it strengthens the people doing the caregiving. um, But we all know that we we tap into a deeper source of strength and this is not an easy type of thing to do. So bathe all of this in prayer. The first thing is, um, as Pastor John said, um, maybe maybe there's a foster family out there or a foster person, that's another thing to say. A, a family doesn't have to be more than one person. Um, if this is tugging at your heart, we absolutely uh, can, can talk to you about this and partner with you on this. Not only the three of us up here, but we have one of our people who helps lead up our foster care team who's out uh, with our table right now. Uh, a second thing is mentorship. Uh, mentorship is huge. So uh, as Lena had mentioned, um, the, having the adult presence made the difference, having the adult presence there. So maybe you're not at a place where you're feeling like, you know, we're, we're able to open our home, or maybe you find that you're traveling a lot during the year, but being present with uh, somebody can, um, can be incredibly supportive, and not just being present as a mentor for the youth, uh, but, but let's take Pastor John as an example. I'm sure that he would love for some families here to adopt his family. I would. Um, really, and, and so um, one of the things people don't know, um, very much about with, uh, until they've taken that deep dive into foster care is he can't just call somebody and have a babysitter swing by so he can go out. Say they just want a night by themselves. It's just not that easy. But if there's people and there's a plan, it can actually become part of that. Um, that's, what, that's what he talked about. It's the family business that we're all about here. So um, not just his family fostering, um, but us adopting him as well. Uh, and then a the third piece, um, and I'll, I'll hand it over to Lena in just a moment on this, but uh, programs. There's, <clears throat> we try to go above and beyond. Uh, we don't try to just do what's necessary to help children in the system. We try to make sure that they have a complete whole healing, get through the trauma, know that they're part of the family, and have their lives changed as a result. But now that's just sort of from the individual or the family perspective. What if we begin to scale that up? I mean, looking around the room here, actually not even looking around the room, maybe there's there's some people you met with for coffee already this morning. Maybe there's people you're gonna go have brunch with after worship today. And you sit around often and you say, what can we really do to have a big difference? Well, the few of you can have a greater difference than you could have just as individuals alone. Uh, You know, scripture reminds us that when two or three come together in Jesus' name, he's present. So he's there, his strength, his presence, his guidance. But when we come together serving people as an expression of Christ's love, which is actually the, the mission of Smeritas, serving people as an expression of the love of Christ, when we do that, we can have such a greater impact on the world around us. I know that I sit around right now as a, as a father of two daughters, you know, looking at all the concerns in the world right now, you know, worried about dropping my daughters off to school. I'm sure I'm not alone in that, sadly thinking, what can we really do? But but it's those moments where I'm sitting down with people who say, you know what? The power of Christ is here. We can do something even bigger. So maybe your group, maybe your small group could adopt a project for those children. Maybe your small group could adopt Pastor John. Um, Maybe maybe there's certain ways that you wanna go out into the community and say, we're gonna help find foster parents. But now, scale it up from there. Let's look around this room. I mean, it, what if all of us are out there, not necessarily being able to foster, but being able to say, are you interested in fostering? What does that begin to look like? We don't just begin to change a few families. We begin to transform this community and the wider world. We do things so much bigger than we could ever do alone. So I'll let um, Lena speak too about that program thing. So how, how can we get into those big projects that we could never do as an individual.
2: Um, so, programming, I spoke to you earlier about my um, passion for older youth. We have several IL plus homes, so, then those are homes for children or youth aging out of foster care. When those young adults leave our um, independent living home, we try to send them off with what they're going to need to start. And when I say leave, they're only 19 or 20, and so they don't have anything. And they don't have, like, the day I inherited a lot of my parents' furniture. Like there's no one to give them, there's no one that whose cabinets they can go in and just take dishes and you know provide for their apartments. So we try to do that for them. Um, the other huge need that we're finding in the community as we all know community and mental health mental health is huge right now. It's one of the most underfunded uh, services that are out there. So when we see the need for our families for mental health, we go ahead and we provide that whether there's funding or not. Um, We just planned that there's gonna be a deficit in that program at sometimes around $60,000, but that's the need and that's what we're committed to do. So those are programs and definitely you saw the smaller version if you sponsor one youth aging out of foster care or a large scale where you're looking at helping with uh, mental health um,
3: services. And as a final comment, um, hopefully when you walked in as a family, uh, you received one of these cards we would, love to, we would love to share this mission with you. Um, to share our newsletters, we'll share one of those with you as you walk out, uh, but to, to let you know more about um, what we're doing and how you can be part of that great mission of serving people as an expression of the love of Christ. So we'd invite you to fill one of these out, um, hand it to one of the three of us, uh, not to Pastor John, as a pastor myself, I know don't hand anything to me on a Sunday morning. Um, <laughs> I will find it, but <coughs> you'll want to hand it to, to one of us because yep. that's unfair to him. So, but, um, but thank you and please adopt
0: your pastor. <laughs> Thanks so much guys. Uh, thank you for being here. Yeah. <clears throat> Thanks for what you guys do to be a part of the family business and to, to care for these kids and these families. Um, and folks, there are so many people that have been uh, touched uh, by this, whether they've been involved with this themselves or uh, they themselves have been adopted or uh, were fostered as a youth. And so there's one more family that, uh, of ours that I'd like you to hear about right now. Why don't you take a look at the screens? Dance baby, go
4: baby. Dance baby, go baby.
5: With three boys ages one, two and three Come years on. old,
4: is life walking. is
5: good but plenty hectic for Rob and Jenny uh, Griffin. So a
4: normal day is, um, is, is very busy and starts at like 6 o'clock in the morning and um, It doesn't end when they go to bed because they usually are up at least once. I am the big
5: boy. Manny is the big boy. He's three, Gabe is two, and Isaiah is one. They're typical little boys. They've been foster parents for years now, and both their parents were foster parents. We
6: made the decision pretty early on that, you know, if, if a kid needed to stay with us for a week or forever, we were okay with that.
5: Rob and Jenny tried to have children of their own, but had many issues.
6: That was a tough time. We went through You know the fertility treatments and the doctor's appointments and the whole thing and we had you know lots of highs and lows and it just
4: we had two miscarriages dragged on and on the process and um, so we had extreme loss
6: in the meantime
5: they were trying to adopt manny which was taking much longer than they wanted and they also separated from other foster children one child even spent a full year in the Griffiths' home before his biological family took him back. That was rough. But...
4: Yeah, we, and he's still part of the family. Like, we still talk about him and think about him. And
5: this picture's still on the wall. Yeah. <laughs> with Manny already fitting in and the adoption process underway, the Griffiths got some unexpected news. Jenny was pregnant with Gabe.
4: It's amazing, his timing. Our timing was uh, we had different plans. And- um, but thankfully, we kind of put it in God's hands because you really don't have a choice at that point. And if we would have gotten pregnant when we wanted to, we would never have met Manny.
5: With two young boys and everything seemingly falling into place, the Griffiths thought their family was complete.
4: We got a phone call from his mother actually that said, I have a friend who knows someone um, who needs a safe place for their baby. And we said, well, if you know, God works it out, then it'll happen. And a month later, we brought Isaiah home from the NICU. i am so funny.
5: Last summer, Manny's adoption went through. He was baptized at Shepherd's Gate, and now they're going through the same process with Isaiah. Despite the trying times, the heartache, and everything that goes into being a foster parent, the Griffiths never lost their faith.
6: Over and over again, we saw him working through. You know, we would get frustrated because things weren't working the way we thought that they should Um, and then something something that we didn't know about was happening behind the scenes and that would get resolved and then everything would fall into place okay that's why but you know we couldn't see it in the moment but clearly God knew what was going on he was working his plan working things
4: again better than we could have expected.
6: Exactly better than we could have expected or, or done ourselves and if asked any advice the Griffiths would give
5: about fostering
4: jump in because it's scary and it's like anything else good in your life, it's overwhelming and scary and intimidating and then when you do it, it's harder than you could have ever imagined and so much more of a blessing than you could have ever thought.
6: The Peace Corps likes to say it's the hard that's the hardest job that you'll ever love. I tend to think that foster care is a step above that. Yeah.
0: Not only are Rob and Jenny here with us today, but they're here because they know the value of having the right people around you to support you. And so what they're doing is they're actually going to be kicking off a group that's going to start meeting here at church. Rob, would you want to tell us more about that?
6: Yeah, first, like Pastor John just said, none of our journey would have been possible if we didn't have the support of family and friends in the church, and especially our our small groups and Bible study partners and all that stuff um, coming alongside of us and supporting us all the way. Uh, so yeah, we've been in that day, We are starting a, a, um, a group, a, basically a small group, for anybody that has been touched by foster care adoption, would like to know more about them, would like to walk with, alongside people that are involved in those. Um, so we're going to be meeting a couple times a month, a couple Wednesdays a month, um, right here at the church. Uh, so we'd love to see if you have any questions or would like to get involved. Um, I think my email address is on the card that you were handed out, or you can call the church office to get more information. We'd love to love to have you. Um, join us and um, learn more about, about all of this. And one of the great thing about the, the group is there's uh, free child care.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is worth it right there, let me tell you. Yeah. Uh, church, God's called you to be a part of the family business. And he's been pretty specific about how you can do that. You can care for the widows and the orphans. You can care for those that don't have a family of their own. They need a place to call home. And I don't know what that looks like for you, I don't know what that looks like in your situation, if that looks like diving into becoming foster parents uh, or adoptive parents, let me tell you, you have a lot of people that are gonna surround you and walk with you through that. But maybe it's a different journey, maybe it's something else. Not only is Samaritas out there, but Friends of Foster Kids is out there as well, and they're an incredible organization that reaches out and supports foster kids and foster families, and if you wanna get involved with them, that's another avenue as well. So let me challenge you with this last question. How might today be a change in your life that can bring a change in theirs? And What I mean by theirs, those that God has called into your hearts today and said, look, they need you. And the reason I want to end with that question, because that's the question that I was asked, that's the question that I heard the first time that I ever heard about foster care and adoption way back when in high school. And right now I can tell you back then and hearing about that and putting it on my heart is the reason that there are three little boys that are in a home right now in my home who I get the joy of reading to and cleaning up after and wiping snot noses. It's amazing how many snot noses you wipe, right? But way back then I was asked that question, how might today be a change in your life that can bring a change in theirs? I had no idea what that would look like in my life and maybe you don't know what that looks like in yours. I would challenge you i would challenge you with let there be a change today a change that makes you a part of the family business where you don't just hear but instead you act and in acting you bring value value to kids who need it and the reality is so many people have been impacted by foster care and adoption so what i'm going to do right now is just ask if there's anyone out there that. Whether you have been foster parents or adoptive parents, or maybe you yourself have been adopted or fostered, Um, maybe you grew up in a household that fostered or adopted as well, Uh, or maybe professionally you work in this field. What I'd ask you to do is right now, could you stand up for me and stay standing? You stand up, be brave. Stand up. You have people that are in this church that are your resources. You don't have to make a decision today. You don't have to have all the answers today but you look around and you have people who you can go to so maybe maybe you're gonna push God away today and maybe you're gonna say no God I can't be part of the family business I'm much too busy but maybe next week or the week after he'll finally get at you because I can promise you that's what he does look around and say you have people you can talk to who you can reach out to you can ask them the tough questions you can ask them what it was like for them and I know I know they have such a value for what it is that they will walk with you and share with you their journey so what we're going to do right now is I'm going to ask everybody to stand. And we're going to start with prayer. We're going to start with what Pastor Nick challenged us with. And we're going to, we're going to pray. We're going to pray not only for Samaritans, for Rob and Jenny, for what they're doing, but just for our church as well, that we would be a church that is truly in the family business, that we would spur on. We'd be spurred on today to do something huge. That maybe it will make a difference in one, uh, tri- the, the life of one child, but maybe it will be the difference in the life of an entire community. Or maybe the entire state. So what I ask you right now, is if you just reach out towards, uh, towards our friends here from Samaritans and Rob and Jenny as we pray for them. God, I thank you. I thank you for this opportunity as we, as we seek to, to know your heart and to be a part of all it is that you would have us to be a part of God. It's good to know things, it's good to learn things, but God, thank you for challenging us to do something with what we've learned. God, I thank you for Samaritans. I thank you for our friends here who do so much in order to care for those kids that you love so very much. God, I ask you for blessings that continue to bring more and more to them, to support them, not only as foster parents, not only as support, not only financially, but whatever it is, God, I, I just ask for many blessings for Samaritans and their journey. God, I thank you for Rob and Jenny, God, and just the, the journey that you have had them on. I thank you for their story. I thank you for their boys and their family, God. And I ask for protection and guidance for them. And God, as they dive into this journey to support others who want to do this, God, I ask, I ask for you to bless that. I ask for more people to come than we could have ever expected and for these journeys to be powerful and impactful and fruitful, God, that more kids would know what it's like to experience your love through the love of a foster or adoptive family. God, every person that's out there today that's been impacted by this, God, I thank you for them. I thank you for bringing them to be a part of this church, part of this family, to be a part of the family that they're in. And God, for every person that's in our church today, every person that's watching over live feed, God, I ask, God, I ask, just move. Move in a powerful way. Move in a powerful way that we can't stand to stand still, God. We have to do something. Because God, this nation, this state, this community needs us to do something. So God, make that happen in our hearts and our lives today. Change things around to where instead of us saying no or how or why, we say yes, God, and we're going to trust you. And those good things that you promise us, we are going to step into. God, we want to be part of the family business. Help us to do so. In Jesus' name, amen. As I uh, give you the blessing today, I'm going to encourage you to head out those doors there. Don't go that way. And if you have kids, it gives you more time. You're fine. Go out that way because Samaritans and Friends of Foster Kids is out there and they're wanting to talk to you and connect you and to help you be part of the family business. So receive the blessing of our God. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord look upon you. May, may, the Lord, <laughs> may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you, be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you his peace and his encouragement and his prodding and whatever it's going to take to make you a part of his family business. Amen? Amen? Amen. If you need prayer, we have those that are coming up to pray with you. Otherwise, head out those doors and get to know all that's happening out there and get involved. Thanks, guys.